glory be to God. We are alive forevermore and we are excited to be alive. We are excited to be able to trust God every single day. We are excited because the just shall live by faith and through the blood of Christ we have been justified so that we can live by faith and have a joy that is from above. Have a joy that is God himself. And so the message for today is confidence in the word of God. Confidence in the word of God. I have been, well, I've been, I've been born again for a little while now. And I remember when I got born again, it was through a night vision. And, um, right after I woke up, I, um, that morning after that, that night vision, I had this hunger for the word of God. I, it, it was, it was like, it was like, it was like, I, 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 I I was a student at the time. I couldn't wait for my classes to be finished. I could run home and read the Bible. Like it was just this insatiable appetite for the Word of God. Now looking back, I recognize that was the Holy Spirit. That was the Holy Spirit because for me it was a night and day transformation. I, I went to bed as a hidden woke up as a believer. It was totally supernatural. Now I know people were praying for me. Um, but this, this, this love for the word of God came as soon as I got born again. And thereafter, I just assumed that everyone that was called uh, a Christian or called themselves to be a Christian had the same affinity, love, uh, desire to uh, abide in the word of God, that they had the same passion for the word of God. And as I, as I walked in and out of churches and meeting different, different friends and, um, Christians, I realized that not everyone has this passion for the word. And, and, um, I don't fully understand it yet. Um, I do recognize that we do live in a world and we do have a carnal mind and the carnal mind is an enmity to the spirit of God. And so if we desire to live a carnal life, though we are born again, then we will live a carnal life. And at that moment, your carnal mind is an enmity to the spirit of the Lord that discloses the, the words of Jesus to us. And so then it becomes a real battle of the will because you just want to live your regular life any old way, just the way you were raised up, the way you want to do it. And yet the Holy Spirit is functioning to get in the word. And when you get in the word, there's always conviction. There is always edification, but it always comes especially if we have moved in carnal ways, it comes as conviction. And, and that conviction can be pretty intense at times. And um, But I love the conviction of the Holy Spirit because the conviction of the Holy Spirit that comes through the Word of God is my life. And that is really the checkpoint. That is a safety keeping of the Holy Spirit. It's through this guiding of the Word of God. And so I said all that to say is that this is the time and this is the hour to ignite again 
the passion of the word of God, to come back to your first love, which is the word of God, to come back to, to that revelation of Jesus, your first love, who is the word of God, who is the very expression of every thought of God. In the totality of God, Jesus expressed that, 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 um, divine life to us who God our heavenly father is and without a habitation in the word of God nothing in our life would go right because you see we are creatures of belief we have a belief system and it's the belief system that's guiding us and is really orchestrating every decision that we make on a regular basis be it a, a small little decision or a major life decision and without our mind being renewed, that we'll believe and adhere to the word of God, we'll trust our old senses, we'll trust the way the world functions, we'll trust the one plus one equals two, it's A, B, C, D, and all the way till Z. When God's way is supernatural above all, when God's way, yes, there is a, an, an order to the way of God, and yes, there is is a, a movement that is a precept upon precept with, with the Holy Spirit, but it is truly the very order of God which is of the Spirit and it is not of the carnal mind. And so without our mind being renewed, we'll actually walk as enemies to truth. And how do we get our minds renewed? How do we comply with the word? By meditation. By the meditation of the word. And if we do not see the value of this word as being Holy Spirit inspired, as being God himself, then really we'll put no emphasis in coming into the word. Then we'll just treat it like any old thing in our day. Just part of a routine, the way we have breakfast and the way we clean our house and we shower and we can also read the Bible sometimes and we can, you know, um, sometimes have a conversation about God sometimes. But when you recognize this is your life, this is above all, this is what keeps your life clean. This is what keeps your mind thinking straight. This is what is to, 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 to unction you to make a life decision. This is the very breath of God, inspired words of the Holy Spirit that are to comfort us. And so the message today is confidence in the word of God. Give the word your confidence. Put your confidence back in the word. What do you trust in this moment? Do you trust a shift in political system? Do you trust uh, uh, for better weather tomorrow? What do you trust? Do you trust uh, your spouse's faithfulness towards you? Do you trust? What do you trust above all? And really the only thing you can trust is this word that does not change. There's no shadow of turning with this word and you can always come back to the word and be assured of this divine confidence of God working in your life and though everything might go haywire and all being faithful and though the mountains fall like, like the prophet of old uh, right and, and there be no figs on the fig 
concern to us because God's word has assured us of triumph in Christ. Because God's word has assured us of God living in me. Christ in me, the hope of glory. And though it might be all uh, strange, we're not to be led by strangeness, but we're to be led by the good shepherd. How does he lead us? Through his rod, his staff, his very word, disclosed to us by his spirit. And so confidence in the word of God is really the basis of Christianity. It is really, if we go back to the beginning of what it looks like to be a Christian, number one, believe the Bible. Number one, beginning and the end, believe the Bible. Believe the Bible. Believe the Bible. Believe the Bible. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? What is the report you heard from the Bible? What is the news flash you receive from the Bible? You become extreme. Because when you have confidence in the word of God, it's because you have recognized the preciousness and the truth of this word that God is not a man that he should ever, ever lie. And when you have that conviction of this word, being truth, you become hungry for truth because there's really a great lack of truth right now in the world. You can't trust anyone's word. Flesh is fickle. But God's word is stable. It endures through the trials and the tribulation and always will take you up above the moment. Always will remind you of who you are and whose you are and who is for you. Going back to Romans 8.31, if God be for us, who can be against us? Let's go, let's go, let's go. Well, um, last live message that I spoke on was... Um, not devourable, not devourable. And it came on the tail of um, a a group of messages of continuing in the faith, of continuing to continue in the word of God, of not letting go of this persuasion of the word of God, but to continue therein to be found faithful to the end. And so my last message was not devour because we looked at That which makes us not devourable is the word of God. That there is a thief and there is a devourer whose name is Satan, the devil. We have an adversary. It's not flesh and blood. It is Satan. It is Satan. And he is roaming and looking for someone whom he can and may devour. That's from 1 Peter 5. But if we resist Satan steadfast in the faith, faith coming through the um, assurance of the word of God, faith coming through the persuasion and the confidence in the word of God, faith being a doer of this, that which we believe the word of God, 
That if we resist Satan steadfast in this movement of the word of God, in the stability of the word of God, what does he do? He flees from us. He departs us. He is resisted by us. And we are not devourable. Then we went to the Gospels. We looked at Mark and Luke where it showed that Satan comes immediately for the sake of the word. So that when you hear the word, and I can guarantee you after this message, you experience it. When you hear the word, that which you've heard has been sown in your heart because this word is spirit word. It is, it is the Holy Spirit moving these words to plant them in your heart so they'll bear fruit of life in your life. And so when you hear the word of God, it goes in your heart and Satan comes immediately. As soon as you hear the word of God, not just a social message, not just a message of do, do good uh, or woe is you or not a message of um, psychology, but a message of the word of truth, Satan comes immediately to steal that word. Why? Because it's only through the word that you resist him. It's only through the word that you resist him. And so then we looked at some of the means that, that Jesus outlined in that parable that he steals by this word was what? The cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things. Pressures of life. And yet, godliness with contentment is of great gain. Being thankful. Being thankful is safety. Being thankful for the word of truth. Being thankful that Jesus, the word, became flesh and came and dwelt among us. And now resides in me. And is becoming flesh in my life. It is the transformation from glory to glory. That when I have a confidence in the word of God. And I can stand on that confidence. I am not devourable. And now this is the message we're coming into today. So let's go to, to Hebrews. To Hebrews chapter 6. And... Um, Actually, on the way to Hebrews chapter 6, well, let's go first to John 1. Let's just have a refresher course before we get to Hebrews 6. John 1, 1, John 1, 1. When we talk about the word of God, we, we at times just think of written, written letters on the page. And yes, the word is written, but it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And now the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the volume of this book is disclosing Jesus to us. He is found in the volumes of the book. And so in John 1, 1, who is the word? Who is the word that we're talking about? It is a living reality of divine expression that comes forth through written words that become life and divine utterance. The Logos becomes Rhema. And so here we see the Logos, the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, which is the Logos, and the Word was with God. 
The word was with God and the word was God. If we can just comprehend by the spirit, this reality of who the word is, we'll never treat this word, these written pages of life casually again. If we can only comprehend the power of that which we hold in our lap, the assurance that this is divine reality made flesh for us, tangibility of life. Because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Don't ever look at it as legalism. I got to read the word. I got to read the Bible. I got, I didn't read. Condemnation. Do not yield to condemnation, but have a passion of life of the Holy Spirit where you know this is your life and you hunger and you thirst after righteousness, which is the word of truth. Because that word was with God and the word was God. It is God himself. All things were made through him. All things, whether visible or invisible, Colossians writes, Paul in the book of Colossians. All things were made by him and for him. Whether thrones or principalities and dominions, all things, whether visible or invisible, were done by the counsel of the will of God, which is the word of God. Hebrews write that all things are withheld with the power of his word. The entire universe, my body is upkept by the power of proclamation from the divine mind, God. The word is God. This word is from above and is above. And we are now born out of this incorruptible seed of life, which is the word of God. We've been given life out of the life that is in the word of God. And so the most natural thing to a Christian, the most natural inclination that a Christian has really is the word of God because this fits us. We often hear it about a manual of instruction. It's more than just a manual of instruction. It is life himself. It is our guide. It's our courage. It's our courage. We need courage in this hour. This is my courage. The word of God, my very confidence. God himself. Back to verse 3. All things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made. Do you have a passion? Do you have a passion for something? Well, the highest passion, now that we're part of the body of Christ, which is the body of his word, is this passion for the word. Because this is my solace in the midnight hour. This is my comfort when all forsake me or when all come thronging towards me. This is my stability. This is the solid rock that we stand on. No other ground is solid ground. Do you want stability in your life? Do you want stability in your mind? 
come back to the passion for the word of God. Come back to your first love. Come back to desiring to know him in his word. And from there, prayer is birthed. From there, joy stems and flows out. It is from this word that we now become a confident expression of divine life to another. A courage and an encourager to another. Verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of man. Do you want light? He is the light. The word is the light. Do you feel at times you're groping in the dark or darkness is, I've heard people say, I feel like darkness is closing in on me. Well, pick up the sword of light. Pick up the light. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Oh, I need a, I need to get a hold of my life. You know, you hear you hear this deep deep uh, thought expression. I need to get a hold of life, or I need to figure out my life, or ah ah, let that go. Pick up this. What does it, verse 4 say? In him was life. Pick up the word. That is your life. There's nothing to figure out. All you're going to do is believe, 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 believe. All you have to do is believe. When you read the word, don't come with, yeah, but. Don't come back with my natural experience is a brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so. It went another, ah, 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 ah. Seize the arguments. In your mind. What does Paul tell the Corinthians? To bring down every argument. Every high thing. Every lofty thing. Every pretense that is wanting to exalt itself. What? Above. Above this word. You want to lay hold of life? Lay hold of his word. And the life of this word is the light of man. And the light shines in the darkness, and darkness did not comprehend it or overcome it. I really like the passion translation of this passage of verses, and I often read it. And so I'll read from the passion translation. I have a huge message that even if I, I think I'll just, even if I park on two verses, that's fine. But we'll just build it from here as the Lord leads. So uh, this is the passion translation in, in, in John 1. In the very beginning... The living expression. So the, the passion translation calls this the word the living expression. And then he'll qualify why he does so. The living expression was already there. The living, the word was there. And the living expression was with God, yet fully God. So not only was the word with God, but it is God. New King James, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Uh, your mind ceases to comprehend. It's a divine mystery. Not only with God, but was God. They had fellowship one with another, and yet they're one. One. They were together face to face in the very beginning. 
and through his creative inspiration, this living expression made all things. For nothing has existed apart from him. Life came into being because of him. Life came into being because of him, because of the word. We would not know him if he did not shine a revelation in our heart to know him. Life came into being because of him, for his life is the light for all humanity. And this living expression is the light that bursts through gloom. Anything gloomy in your moment right now, let this light of revelation, let the power of God himself, the living word, come and shine through the gloom and dispel all darkness. The light that darkness could not diminish. Darkness cannot diminish light. I want to look at the Passion Translation, um, the note here on the living expression from John 1, 1. That, of course, is a logos. And I'll come jump down to what the writers write here. Some have translated this rich term as word. Logos, word. It could be, it could also be translated as message. The message, the word, logos, or blueprint, blueprint. Jesus Christ is the eternal word, the creative word, and the word made visible. In, in, in verse 14, that chapter, John writes, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word, the spiritual power of light and life, of light life came and put on flesh and became visible and tangible to our natural senses. What kind of a glory of mercy is that towards man? That he so humbled himself and came as a man. And, and Paul writes the Philippians in chapter 2 that how Jesus humbled himself. And though he knew he was equal with God because not only was he with God, he was God. And yet he chose to disrobe divinity and to put on humanity to show us the way to seal his word with the blood so that by two immutable things through the word through the promise and through a note a covenant word was birthed so we will have a solid consolation in this hour to not waver but to be fully and firmly established by Christ because it's him alone that is establishing us in this hour glory be to God Glory be to God. So Logos is the creative word. The word made visible. He is, I love this. He is the divine self-expression. The word is the divine self-expression of all that God is. You hear it often. I want to know more about God. I want to know about God. Someone tell me about God. And yet we hold this precious utterance. And yet we hold the written word. The word made flesh. And, 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 and at some moment or another we have this disconnect that this is just 
paper. This is just written words on paper and yet it's fully God. The full expression of divinity, the totality of who he is. He self-expressed his thoughts through the word logos. I'll read that again. He is the divine self-expression of all that God is, contains, and reveals in incarnate flesh. Just as we express ourselves in words, just the way you get to know me by what I say, that I really say that which I believe, and my words really carry the essence of my life. How much more with God? That every word is truth. That every word is proclaimed through this covenant expression of who he is. Unchangeable, immutable, forever abiding. So just as we express ourselves in words, God has perfectly expressed himself in Christ. God has perfectly expressed himself in Christ. If we go to the book of Revelation chapter 19, the word. So we'll never treat the word as a dead thing. So we'll never treat the word as insubstantiated, uh, not very important. Uh, I have to be really uh, you hear this, you know, I got to be wise. I got to look after myself. I, after all, I have to make decisions. After all, I have a family to feed. After all, after all, after all. What this after all is telling me, you just have not been living in the word. You haven't allowed the life of the word to fully persuade you yet. But we are a process of transformation. All of us are from glory to glory, so we are patient with one another and above all, patient with ourselves in this process of transformation. Verse 11, just say uh, Revelation 19, Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. Oh, this is, this is the vision that John had. Now I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he who sat on him, he who sat on him, he who sat on the white horse was called faithful and true. He who sat on that white horse was called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed, what was he clothed with? He was clothed with a rope dipped in blood. Covenant, dipped in blood. A righteous rope dipped in blood. And his name is what? His name is called the Word of God. His name is called the Word of God. Of God. What did he say just early in verse 11? That he was called what? Faithful and true. The word of God is faithful and true to you today. The word of God will never disappoint you. 
The word of God would walk you out of every moment of intense um, temptation. Will walk you out out of every hard situation. The word of God holds you by the hand and walks you out of every situation. But keep laying hold of this word. Do not disengage from the word. Because he is faithful and true. Do you need a faithful, true friend today? Do you need a faithful, true friend today? The word of God is faithful and true. And he knows how to add to you companionship. But above all, seek his faithfulness. Above all, seek his trusty wordness. And look at this. 15. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword because he's a double-edged sword. The word of God is a discerner of your heart. Discerner of every intent of my heart. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. That with it he should strike the nations. Don't fret in this hour. Pick up the sword. Pick up the sword of the word and, and, and watch and see how God through your prayer would wield that soul sword. Watch how God the Holy Spirit in your prayer moment use this word as a sword. Out of your own mouth will come out his sword, his words. A sharp, a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. This resembles Psalm, Psalm 2, the end of Psalm 2. He talks about this as well. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. Who is our God? Who is our God? He is the Almighty God. And there is fierceness and there is wrath in this hour that he will crush the oppressor. He will crush every foul thing that's rising up against the body of Christ. But we as the body of Christ go back to our first love. We are found abiding in the word of truth. We're found abiding in the word of God that is faithful and true. And verse 16, and he has on his rope and on his thigh, what a name written. On the thigh of the word of God, on the one who's riding this white horse, who is faithful and true, the word of God. On him is this inscription, King of kings and Lord of lords, glory be to God. The word of God has inscribed on himself. King of kings and Lord of lords. So next time you talk about the words, think about Jesus. Or when you talk about Jesus, he is the word of God. He's not some sort of an experience outside of his word. He is the word of God. I love Jesus. I love Jesus. We love, and that's why Jesus says, if you love me, do my commandment. Be a doer of his word. That's how we demonstrate love. And I recognize there's a great death that happens in the process. Actually, during the praise moment, right before the camera went on, 
I was meditating, it came to my mind, John 12, 24, the very words of Jesus. It's what exactly Jesus did, and it's what we are doing now because we're imitators of him. Verily, verily, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The new living, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone, but its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. And it's exactly what Jesus did. It's exactly what Jesus did. It's exactly what the word of God did. So he can now be seen by John in the book of Revelation that he was on this white horse. He was clothed with a rope dipped in blood. How did that blood come upon that rope? Through that dead, the blood was shed. The body was broken. And so we today make decisions to reckon the old man dead, and to acknowledge only one reality, which is the word of God alive in us. That we are born out of this divine expression of life. Hmm. Let's start in Hebrews, and then we'll see where we go from there. Actually, you know, Let's put Hebrews aside for a moment. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This is how Paul walked out. If we just glance over in chapter 1, verse 24. But to those that are called both Jews, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, Christ, we recognize who Christ is, right? The word of God. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than man and the weakness of God is stronger than man. Now that is the very mind of Christ. So keeping that in mind, if we go to chapter 2, verse 2, now we can recognize why Paul determined to know nothing. Paul says, I determined not to know anything among you except, except to know this. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Why? Because he wanted to make a presentation of the power of God. He wanted to make a presentation to so yield to the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit would present Christ to the nations, would present Christ to the hearers. And here we see it so, so perfect in verse 4. My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, of fleshly connivings, of fleshly meditations, but they were divinely inspired here. But in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Why? So that your faith, your faith, should not be in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. How does faith come? Faith comes through the hearing of the word of God. How will we stand Satan steadfast in the faith? What was Paul's 
uh, meditation in this moment to know nothing else outside, outside of Christ and him crucified. Do you know why? Because that is what sealed his conscience of an assurance that God is not a man that he should lie. That if he gave his son to die for us, he has sealed that word with the blood. That that Christ meant his robes are dipped in blood. And I have an assurance of a bold proclamation that that which I communicate under the action of the Holy Ghost is not a man, but is the power of God. So when that message of power is preached, man can stand on the solid ground of the rock, the Lord Jesus Christ, and be firmly established in faith that rests on the power of God and not the wisdom of man. So we do not want to present doctrines of man. We do not want to present the wisdom of man, the psychology of man, because faith cannot rest on that. Faith solely rests on the power of God, which we read right there in chapter 124. The, the Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. And that's dunamis. And the wisdom of God. And the wisdom of God. Okay, let's go to Hebrews. We, since I've referenced it, and I'll just maybe read and then close, and we'll start there next week. Hebrews 6. Hebrews 6. For when God made a promise to Abraham, so 6.13, for when God made a promise to Abraham, did God make a promise to Abraham? What did Paul tell us in the book of Romans about this promise? I'll go by myself there just a minute. As in verse uh, chapter 4, 17 of Romans as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Did, did, did the word of God make sense to Abraham? Could Abraham logically understand this word that said to him, that I will make your father of many nations. No. But he made a choice to believe here in God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. The word of God is constantly communicating a reality that is really not known to our carnal man, and yet it exists in God, but it, to our rational mind it does not exist. And that's why faith is required. And Solely faith rests on the power of God. If your faith does not rest on the power of God, on this divine proclamation of truth, on this totality of who God is, the logos of God, and the quickening of the spirit, which is the rhema of God, if your faith is not resting on that, you will not be able to walk out the supernatural ways of God. Because... Father Abraham, the father of faith, had to, in verse 18 of, of Romans 4, who contrary to hope, in hope believed. So he became 
the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken. So shall his descendants be, and not being weak in faith, he didn't consider his own body. He did not waver the promise of God. So if you go back to Hebrews, that is the promise that God made to Abraham. And Abraham, Abraham believed against our hope. That's what faith looks like. And it's birthed out of the supernatural word of God. So let's go back to 13. For when God made the promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, the desire of God to prove to us that he's faithful and true. The desire of God to persuade us has always astounded me. That is the very love of God. The very love of God wants to be believed. And he has gone through great lengths to prove to us of his love, of his trustworthiness. And so here we see how he did it. He swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing, I'll bless you, and multiplying, I'll multiply you. And so after he had patiently, that's Abraham, after Abraham patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them, an end to all dispute. Thus God, determining to show more abundantly, to the heirs of promise, the immutability, the unchangeable nature of his counsel, of his word. He confirmed it by an oath in verse 18, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie in the new living and the amplified refer to these two immutable things as the promise of God and the oath of God. By these two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation, that is strong encouragement, strong confidence, strong confidence who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. And this is what this message is about, is that you flee to this anchor, that you come into this place of the refuge of the word of God. And this word of God is true and faithful. Verse 19 says, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul. It steadies you in the turbulent seas of the soul. Both sure and steadfast, both true and faithful. And which enters the presence behind the veil, the great unveiling that will be happening in this hour, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. I'll wrap it up at this moment, and we'll come back and we'll start with this portion of Scripture. But this is the message. Have confidence in the Word of God. Have confidence today in the Word of God. What other confidence can you have of the assurance outside of the Word of God? Everything else is what? Sinking sand. Glory be to God. We are done. Praise God.